Thank you, Stephanie, and it is good to be together, even remotely, uh, to hear the Word of God. We continue to pray for you during this time and trust that you and your family are doing as well as you can, given the circumstances. I invite you to turn in your worship folder to the prayer that we are accustomed to praying as we prepare to hear the Word of God. This morning, the Word of God comes from John 11, verses 1 through 45. Let us pray together. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Now, a certain man was ill in Lazarus, who lived in Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, and her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So the sisters, uh, so I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, let me continue. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, rather it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. And after saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. And Jesus, however had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. 
And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the re resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And when she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her, saw Mary get up so quick, get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he crowd cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth, Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. If only. My first impression on this fascinating scripture is I get it. I know what that kind of disappointment feels like. If only someone acted earlier, if only uh, he showed up on time, if only they came through when we needed them, things could have been so different. If only. I don't think one can read this scripture honestly and not ask the question, why would Jesus not show up when those whom he loved needed him the most? Perhaps we can relate. Perhaps uh, there's been times in our life where uh, we have said, if only this happened or that happened first, if only he or she would have acted the way they should have at this particular time, then things would not have progressed as they have. And maybe we've even in our faith journey with our Lord said at times, if only you came through 
when I prayed. At the time when the news of Lazarus reaches Jesus, he is ministering across the Jordan in the vicinity, we believe, where John the Baptist started baptizing people. We also learn from the immediate context, the previous chapter, that Jesus' ministry drew many to himself and that many believed in him on account of his teaching and his healings. It is possible, though I'm not sure you, most of you would necessarily agree that this is the reason Jesus delayed, but, but, but a few scholars suggest that, that Jesus may have felt compelled to stay with this new group of believers to nurture their faith, much like he did when he changed the life of the Samaritan woman just a few chapters earlier and ended up in her village ministering to those people there for two days. Uh, is it possible that Jesus stays where he was for two days despite the grave news of his dear friend's imminent death to nurture the disciples during this new experience of faith? Possible? Uh, some others suggest to us that uh, the reason that Jesus may delay has to do with the threat to his life. Where Lazarus lived is Bethany, and as the Scriptures had made clear, within two miles of Jerusalem. And we also know that Jesus was almost stoned by the Jews in Jerusalem previously. And, and, and to add to the, the, the drama, we, we hear that the Jews from Jerusalem showed up in Bethany. Uh, his disciples remind him that the threat to his life is real. And perhaps we can understand Jesus' delay as, as, as waiting so that the heat would settle before he returns. I'm not sure whether either one of those satisfies my own inquiring mind, but there are some things that the Scripture just doesn't tell us, give us information for, and so perhaps the best we can do is speculate. But there are some things we do know as we look at this text we, we know with a fair degree of certainty that Jesus' delay did not mean that he did not care for Lazarus, Martha, or Mary. In verses 3 and 5, we are told repeatedly of his love for Lazarus and his love for Martha and Mary. And in fact, the Gospel of John, if you, if you want to understand what the whole Gospel is about, it, it is contained in one Scripture, John 3 verse 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not die, should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is Jesus, the one sent of God, who loves the world, who loves people. He loves Lazarus. He loves Mary. He loves Martha. It certainly isn't because he does not care. I think sometimes in life when we wait on the Lord and uh, maybe we've prayed and, and, and asked for his intervention, maybe we too feel in those moments uncared for. Maybe we question his love. But his delay in our lives as his delay in coming to Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, uh, should not be understood that, that he does not care or love them. But not only does uh, Jesus' delay not mean that he does not care, but Jesus' delay also means that death does not win. 
His delay would not end in Lazarus remaining in the tomb. And much like our text last week speaks about a man born blind and his disciples looking for cause and blame, Jesus redirects their attention away from the sin and the blame and who is responsible and says that here in this very moment, God's glory can be made manifest. Similarly, when Jesus hears that Lazarus is ill, he turns the attention of those who have come to him, including his disciples, towards the glory of God, that the end itself will not be death, but life. Now, I know that truth may not appear to be incredibly amen-like. In fact, one of the things that I, that I experienced as I preached to nobody in the room is, is that the response is pretty much the same it is on Sunday mornings, uh, silence. I know that in your heart uh, you, you are saying amen but, but I want you to bear with me for just a moment, and, and maybe this truth will sink in in a profound way. I've heard many perspectives during this time of coronavirus. Some Christians saying that God is bringing His judgment upon people for their unrepentance. Others saying that God is allowing it for various reasons, and some offering that God has nothing to do with it. I want to offer us as the followers of Jesus who live in this world uh, during this time uh, the following encouragement from God's Word. We are not promised that we will live life without threat. We are not promised that difficult things may not come our way. In fact, we live in a world in which these things can happen. And if anything, this particular pandemic reminds us of our mortality. It reminds us of our frailty. I don't think it's helpful to presume reasons upon God for why we are going through this crisis. I don't think anyone can presume to know God's hand or mind in these matters. But here's what I do know from our text. That God loves those whom he came for, and that not even death will have the final say for those who put their trust in him. I don't know if you have noted that over the, the years, the way we do funerals and uh, the ways in which we lay people to rest has, has kind of shifted. We, 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 we tend to to not want to look at death too long or be faced with mortality too often. We don't want to think about the end of life, but Jesus would have us stare at it here in this text, and, and he would have us understand that even when the worst possible outcome will come to us like it did to Lazarus, that there is a God who loves and is able to overcome even death. I don't think... That Jesus' delay uh, means he doesn't love us, and I don't think his delay means that death wins. But I also see in the text that Jesus is able to take that which is meant for evil and transform it into something good. 
Uh, he responds to the urgency of the information that Lazarus is dying by pointing them toward the glory of God. His illness would not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that Jesus himself would be glorified through it. In the biblical witness, swords and crosses, instruments of death, are transformed into instruments of life and hope. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah paints a picture of warriors of nations at war beating their weapons into plowshares, and it is the the Apostle Paul that will show us an image of a transformed hope that the cross, this instrument of death and torture through the resurrection of Jesus Christ would be transformed into the most powerful symbol of hope. This is what Jesus is when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He is able to transform even that which is meant for evil into the hope of God. He overcomes not only Satan, not only sin, but even death. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that in the circumstances of life and the challenges we face, and even when the bottom falls out, even when we are afraid, even when we call upon his name and say, if only he is the one who can show up at any time and still bring hope to any circumstance. Listen, my friends, there is nothing impossible for the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, though you may struggle, suffer, and even die, you will will live because I bring such hope. I bring such life. Thanks be to God. And to that point, I say, amen. But what is the invitation in this text? I think the invitation is the same invitation that Jesus makes of his disciples. If you look closely at all the scripture we've read and, and pay attention to verse 15, uh, Jesus would explain to his disciples that he was indeed glad that he delayed. He was glad that he didn't show up earlier. And the reason Jesus says he's glad is because he wants his disciples to believe. Get this. Uh, Jesus' delay is somehow a necessary thing because it will help them to believe, but we, 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 we look at the disciples and we go, come on, Jesus, you know, uh, they've been with you, they, they believe in you. We know that early in John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. They've heard him say that. They've heard him say that I am the light of the world in chapter 8 and again in chapter 9. They've heard him say that I am the door of the sheep. And... In just the chapter before this, I am the good shepherd. But never before have they heard these words, that the bread of life, the light of the wool, and the door of the sheep, who is the good shepherd, is also the resurrection and the life. You see, like Martha, who believed in the re resurrection of the dead, which was a common Jewish held belief at the time of Jesus, that it would one day happen. What they fail to yet believe is that in Jesus Christ, that hope is now made true. And because of that, no matter what time he shows up, it's never too late. Not even time can hold back that which has been done and will be done through Christ for all who put their hope in him. Is he late? No, because of who he is. Is he the one that can overcome? Absolutely. Is he the one in whom we must put our trust? Yes, my dear friends, even in times like this. 
Illness cannot constrain who he is, for he is life. And death itself has no victory over him, for he is the resurrection. And as we face our own mortality, we are invited to place our faith in the one who is the resurrection and the life. This is the hope of the church. Not only for this life, but for the life to come. We are invited to put our faith not in anyone or anything else, but in Jesus Christ himself. The simplicity of the gospel. This is the word of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For he did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him him may be saved. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. It is the Apostle Paul who has such deeper faith in Jesus that when he writes to the Corinthians, he says this, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must close itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thanks be to God. As we meditate on those words that we have heard and in response to hearing the word, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord for our world, our nation, and our community. Father, out of the depths, we cry to you, O Lord, and Lord, hear our voices. We pray for those whose hope is lost, who feel dried up and cut from you. By your grace, open their eyes, bring them back to the feet of you. We pray for those who are oppressed, held captive by the power of death. Release them from their chains. Bring them back to the feet of you. We pray for those who weep, lost in fear and regret. Show them your peace and presence. Show them what your love can do. We pray for those who are fearful, 
particularly in these anxious days, Lord. We're unsure sometimes of your grace and your love. Give them courage to embrace each day. Reveal your strength through them. We pray for those who face uncertainty, unsure of employment and finances. Reassure them, Lord, that you will continue to supply their needs. We pray specifically for our nation's leaders, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, our Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, our Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, and our Calgary Mayor, Nahid Nenshi. We are thankful for the solidarity during these times that our nation, our province and city has shown throughout this health crisis. And we continue to pray, Lord, for wisdom, confidence, and reassurance in each of their responsibilities. May they know that they are surrounded in prayer. God of all creation, we ask you to protect those within our Skyview community. May each of us support each other in prayer, love, encouragement, and showing hospitality as we discover new ways to be the church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen. <laughs>